the secret to the perfect abs or six-pack or whatever, right? And so you're sort of, there's all these different secrets out there, and somebody's got the secret knowledge of how to, you know, find love or whatever. And it's worse even for me, it really gets under my skin when it's religious knowledge, right? There's the secret code of the Bible, and if you just knew the secret code, then you can decipher what it really means, or the the secret wisdom behind the Gnostic Gospels or the secrets of the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, one New Age book is actually just called The Secret. And, uh, you know, these, these sort of secret knowledge scams kind of, you know, they offer some false hope or some sort of, you know, clever knowledge. And uh, they just, they really get under my skin. So this morning I'm going to tell you the secret of inner strength. And uh, there's, uh, there's no way of getting around it. Uh, uh, it is a secret. There's, there's a few things in the Bible that actually, in the scriptures, that actually are called secrets or mysteries. And this is one of those things that Paul alludes to or refers to is his secret of contentment and his secret of strength, despite outward circumstances. And he mentions it a couple of places, but perhaps the most obvious is in Philippians 4, 12 to 13. And, and don't turn there because that's not where we're going to be today. But he mentions it in Philippians 4, 12 to 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this, or I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He says, I've got a secret. But what is the secret? The Philippians text is actually a little bit frustrating because he doesn't explain what the secret is in Philippians. When he, he just says, I know the secret. And that it has something to do with God. He gives him strength, but he doesn't actually explain what the secret is. He just says he can do all these things through God who gives him strength. And that, that doesn't really answer the question. How does God give the strength? What is the secret that Paul has for contentment and for all things? And so when he says... It's important when you understand the context of that, when he says that I know what it is to have plenty, right? And I know what it is to be in need, that whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want, we can, you know, whether it's plenty of things or plenty of relationships, like whether my, my relationships are fruitful and happy or whether I have lots of things, I'm well-fed and I'm taken care of, or maybe plenty of health, you know, versus illness. Paul means in all things. He says... In all things, I can do everything. I can, I can have good relationships or bad relationships in my life. I can be healthy or I can be sick. I can have money or I can be poor. I can, you know, any, any area in my life can be great or bad, but I can get through all things because I have the secret of this strength, of this contentment, of this peace. So what is it? And we need it. We need it because we have days where, where the bottom comes out of our life, when, when we're facing trials and we're facing temptations and we're facing challenges like no other. If you remember, I sort of started the first half of this idea back on Palm Sunday and we were looking at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's okay to have those times in your life when you just feel like you have no inner strength. You, don't, you, want, you need this secret because you don't have contentment and you don't have inner peace and you don't have inner strength because you're at the end of your rope whether it's in illness or finances or relationships or marriage or family or whatever it is. And that's okay because Jesus had that day. Remember we talked about that on Palm Sunday. That he had his Garden of Gethsemane where he was ready to pack it in, where he was asking God, change this plan. Take this cup from me. 
Right can't bear it. I don't know where my strength is going to come from. And we talked about the different ways that, that Jesus, things that Jesus did to, to find that inner strength, talking, bringing his disciples with them and praying and all those things. And so we have those days, we have those weeks, we have those years where we need the secret to inner strength, where we need what Paul has here, but he never explains in Philippians. And so we, so we go looking and we say, where, where is it that Paul explains this secret to inner strength? Where is it that Paul explains this contentment? And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Because it's in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, that I think we find the place where Paul unpacks the secret. He doesn't keep it a secret from everybody. He puts it in Ephesians. And he explains in a little more detail exactly where this contentment and where this inner strength comes from. And he prays for it in a prayer for his Christian friends in Ephesus and for, for all us believers. Let me just pray before we look at Ephesians 3. Father God, as we look into your word, I ask that your Holy Spirit would show us what you would have us know about this inner strength, because you have not left, left us here alone. That you have, by purpose, given us your Holy Spirit, given us your word, given us the example of Jesus, to teach us that we could know that we can have an inner strength, that we can have a contentment, that we can have a peace, that through anything, like any, anything that's going on in our life, we can do all things you who give us strength. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts today to, to grasp this mystery of where that the inner strength of a Christian comes from. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 3, 14-19, Paul prays this way. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. You know what I'm getting at? This is, this is, where, the, this is this where He's going to explain the secret. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. What a prayer, right? So Paul is praying this for the Ephesians. And you got to understand that it, the, the situation the Ephesians are in, there's, there's witchcraft, there's dark magic in Ephesus, there's... Uh, you know, pagan worship, the, the church is under oppression. Um, and uh, so Paul is praying for his friends in Ephesus here, and he's praying that they might have this inner strength, that they would have power, the kind of contentment that he has, the secret that he has learned, he is praying for these people in Ephesus and for us. And as we start this out, as we sort of unpack this prayer, I want to start with the very beginning. I'm just going to leave it up there the whole time so you can just sort of keep reading it over. And we're going to take it sort of phrase by phrase and, and unpack what Paul is saying here about this inner strength that he's praying for. First of all, he says, for this reason. For this reason. And so his prayer is based on reasons. And he's just got through in Ephesians uh, chapters 1 and 2. Paul has been outlining 
all the things that God is and all the things that Jesus has done and who we are in Christ and what God has accomplished for us and the inheritance that is, is there for us and the fact that, that these believers in Ephesus know the gospel. They know the good news of Jesus. And if they know that good news, then, then they understand what God has done for them. And, he, and, and so then he, in verse 14 here in the middle of chapter 3, he says, For this reason. Right, because of all these reasons that I've just explained to you. So this, this prayer for inner strength is not abandoned from reason. It's not separate from knowledge. Paul has laid a foundation for why this prayer for inner strength has effectiveness. Why it's real for us. He says, John Stott says here that Paul's prayer is grounded in the purposes of God. So, so Paul has outlined the purpose that God... Or, that, the purpose that God has in our life. And he says, because God has this purpose, for this reason I can pray this prayer. It's not just pulled out of the air somewhere. It's got a foundation in the purposes of God. And he says, I kneel before the Father. So here's Paul kneeling before the Father, and he calls him Father. And it's important that we understand going into this that, that, that the prayer has reasons and that it's a prayer to a Father. Because God is our Father, He... He loves us. He cares for us. He's concerned with the things that are going on in our lives. He is our Father. But, but the posture here of Paul is kneeling. It was traditional for Jewish people when they prayed. Uh, they stood. They often stood with their arms like this, and they looked up, and they stood in the temple this way, and this is how they prayed. And so this would be normal for them in terms of praying, that they would stand like this before God and, and worship Him that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Paul says here, He's kneeling before the Father. So he's acknowledging that it's God the Father, God who loves us as His children, God who cares for us, but he's kneeling. His posture of his body and of his heart is of submission. And he's coming to the Father asking for this strength because there is the reality that God is our Father, but there's also the reality that He has all authority. And so we don't ever leave the authority of God behind. Psalm 51 17 says, A broken and contrite heart, God, you will not reject. And so Paul is seeking this spiritual strength. He's seeking this inner strength from God with this posture of humility, of brokenness and contriteness. He's not standing before God demanding that God change his situation. He's not standing before God saying, This is what I need and this is what you need to give me for strength. No, his, his posture is humble. It's kneeling. It's contrite before God. Seeking this strength. And then he says that God would strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Isn't that what we need? That we need power from God. And that that power comes through His Holy Spirit. And this is important. There's, there's reasons that... that that Paul has laid out as to why he can pray this prayer. There's a, a purpose for God, and there's things that we can know. But the true inner strength of a Christian doesn't just come from head knowledge. It doesn't just come from knowing about God, or knowing about what God's purposes are, or knowing sort of doctrine or theologically where we stand with God. Paul says there's something else that has to happen here, that we need to be strengthened with power through His Spirit, or through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to give this inner strength that we're looking for. And that's important. Because he goes on to say, and this is connected, he says, I pray, and, he, and, and really he's praying the same thing three different times. He words it differently, but he's really praying the same thing three different times. He goes on to, to phrase it this way. He says, I pray that you be rooted and established or grounded in love. 
And so there's this rooting or this grounding in love, and there's this power through the Holy Spirit, which, which we have to grasp as Christians. And, and too many Christians never take the time to really uh, get rooted or get grounded in love or to uh, get the reasons behind uh, the, the power or the, the strength that is there for them in the, in the love of God. Too many times Christians never take the time to study God's Word with the power of the Holy Spirit working in them at the same time so that they know what God has done for them. We've read the Bible. We have an understanding of who God is and what He has done. And and we kind of leave it at that. We sort of say, yeah, I understand. God loves me. And and then we move on. But what Paul is saying here is that you have to know and be rooted and established in the love of God and what God has done for you and that you will be strengthened through power through His Spirit in your inner being when you're rooted and grounded in that. So we can't think that, that, the, the, that the Scriptures are dry and lifeless. We can't think that, uh, you know, theology and doctrine is just sort of for, you know, academics or for eggheads and, you know, for sort, sort of nerds out there that, that want to study all those little details. You know, there's Christians that never study the atonement. They never study what it meant for Christ to be their substitute. Or they never take the time to to sit down and contemplate the holiness of God. Or understand the gap that exists between us and God. And our fallen nature and the sin and the penalty that had to be paid for. And they don't know the desperate need for God's grace to save them. And they don't fully understand sanctification and justification. And and they don't want to look into those mysteries. They They don't know what God is doing to set them free from sin. And to set them free from the cravings of their flesh. And, and those are the ones, Paul is saying, is they haven't learned the secret. Because they haven't done the work and they haven't taken the time and they haven't looked into the reasons for the inner strength. They haven't looked into the love of God and, and tried to grasp and comprehend the love of God and that the Holy Spirit has worked so that it's become knowledge to them that they really understand how much God loves them. And so God's love is just a vague concept. It's just a fuzzy idea. You know, it's Jesus loves me. It's a Sunday school song. And, and there's a sense that God loves them in some Christian lives. But it's not a certain knowledge. And it's never been made functional by practice and experience. And I get that what I'm saying here is a little bit tricky because it is a secret and it is a mystery. And it's going to get even more confusing at the end there when you see that he says that he prays for us to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Right? He's asking us to know something that surpasses knowledge. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And that's what I'm driving at here. That's what I think Paul is driving at here when he says, I've learned the secret. When I've understood the mystery. It's because he has explored these things. He's looked into these things. And the love of God has not, is not just a fuzzy idea to him. It's not just something on the side or something that we just take along with the rest of our Christianity. The love of God for Paul and what God did through Jesus Christ for Paul is the center of his strength. And it's been revealed to him and given him power through the Holy Spirit. And so when trouble comes along and when temptations come in these people's lives, when their Gethsemane moments come, when they're facing the trial of their life, these people, they just give up. They get, they get plucked up because they have no roots. A trial comes in their life and they're swept away. They don't, they don't have this inner strength and this inner contentment that Paul has. And so his prayer here is that these Ephesian Christians and us would not be like that. That we would have this inner strength that we're seeking. And that we would know and be rooted and established in love. Psalm 1-3 says that a person is like a tree 
the person who studies the law, this person like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. So Paul is saying that when you are grounded, when you are rooted in love, when you are rooted in the understanding of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, when you get that He loves you to this extent, that's where the power comes from. But it goes along with the Holy Spirit. You don't get that just from reading the Bible. You don't get that just from going to seminary. You don't get that just from taking a, you know, watching a history of the Bible on Netflix. Right? You have to open up the Word of God and you have to pray to God that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of your heart that you would see how much He loves you. That that love would become functional in your life. Not just a piece of knowledge that you know, but that it actually has power to function in your life so that it changes the strength that you have. And it changes how you interact with people. It's, it's hard for me to get words around it, but it's a functional love. It has to work in your life. And you see Christians around you who have it. When they go through those trials... They go through cancer. They go through illness. They go through the death of a loved one. They go through a divorce. They go through whatever. And you just are amazed at the peace that they have. You can't understand how they deal so, so calmly with things. That they speak rightly and they act rightly. And they never seem to lose it. And they're not consumed by despair. And they're not, you know, overtaken by fear. Because they have this peace because the love of God has become functional for them. And there's a lot of Christians who go a long way through their Christian life without the love of God becoming functional for them. And this is what Paul is praying for Ephesus, for the Ephesians. This is what Paul is praying for us. He desperately wants the love of God to become functional in our life. And so he goes on and he says, he wants to say it again. <laughs> so he says, that being rooted and established in love that these Christians, us, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp. This is, this is the, the, the cusp of it here. Paul says, I, I'm praying for you, and you've got to pray for yourself, that out of the glorious riches of God, He would strengthen you with power through His Spirit, and the strength and the power through His Spirit in your inner being that He needs to strengthen you with, being rooted and established in love is this. This is what the strength and the power is for. To grasp or to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's it. That's the secret right there. Paul wants the Holy Spirit to work in these people's lives so that they grasp and they comprehend how amazing the love of God is. That's where his peace comes from. That's where the inner strength comes from. That we would have the power to grasp it. Not just have it as a piece of knowledge in our mind, but it would become functional in our life. And so when he uses these terms wide and long and high and deep, I just took a moment here to sort of think about what that means. What is Paul talking about when he talks about how all these four dimensions that he presents of God's love? And so we can look at how wide God's love is and to grasp it. And in Revelation 7, 9 to 10, it says, after this, John is looking and he has an insight into the future of the worship of God in, in heaven. And he says in his vision that the angel has given him, he says, I looked in this vision and behold a great multitude that no one could number 
from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so John has this picture of how wide the love of God is. It's all tribes, it's all tongues, it's all nations. That God's love encompasses the whole world. There is nowhere and nobody that is outside of the love of God. That no matter who you are, no matter what your socioeconomic background is, no matter what your uh, race is, no matter who your family is, no matter who your parents are, no matter what country you come from, the width of God's love is that it's all-encompassing. Everybody has opportunity to come to God and worship Him. His love is for everyone. And we need to make that real. It has to become functional in our hearts. There is no width of God's love that we can escape. No matter what our background, no matter where we've been, no matter where we come from, God's love encompasses the whole world. It is so wide. That's just one aspect of the width that I think Paul may be hinting at here. And then he goes on and he says, how long is God's love? How wide and how long is the love of God? And I think of Hebrews 13.5. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Once God holds on to you, He never lets go of you. There is no place you can go to avoid Him. David says in Psalm 139, you can read David's psalm there. And he says, there is no height, there is no depth that I can go to. I can go down to the grave and I can't escape you. I can go to the heavens and I can't escape you. I can't get away from you. And Jesus, He says, you can't, in John 10, 29, He says, who the Father has given me, they can't be plucked from my hand. Nobody can be taken out of the hand of God's love once He has you. And Paul in Romans 8, 38-39, he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul wants to make this crystal clear. You cannot outrun God. It doesn't matter. God loves you. That once He has you in His hand, His love extends. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. And there is no power that is stronger than Him. There is no reach that is longer than His arm. That's how long the love of God is. And then Paul says, how high is the love of God? The height of God's love, I think Paul could have in mind here, the heights to which God wants to take us. We don't even comprehend the goal of God's love. We can't fathom how high God wants to raise us. 1 John 3, 2, he says, What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. John is saying, we, 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 can't even, we don't even know what it's going to be like. What, what God has in store for us, we can't imagine the heights that He wants to take us to, but we know that when Christ comes and He, re, and he comes back for us, we're going to be just like Him. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. The love of God is inconceivable. And there's this idea here, and and maybe we'll get a glimpse of it. You understand that what God has in store for us, um, if I'm, like I love Wendy and I love Isaac, and so this is how I think, just a picture of what God has in store. Because He wants us to experience the glory that He enjoys. 
If I go to the Grand Canyon and I see something glorious, or you think of the best vacation you've ever been on, or the most amazing moment you've ever had, but if you had it alone, it's okay. Like, it's, it's good to go to the Grand Canyon. You see the Grand Canyon, that's pretty amazing. And I, I went to Egypt and I saw the pyramids, and the pyramids were pretty amazing. And, and there's experiences where I've had these sort of great experiences, but you think, if you love someone, if you really love someone, you think, man, this would be so much better if they were here with me. Right? You want your children, you want your loved ones there with you to experience the glory of what you're experiencing together, and that makes it all the more glorious. And Tim Keller says, believe it or not, that's a dim reflection of the kind of love that God has for us. God desires that we would enjoy everything that He enjoys, and someday we will. Listen closely to what Jesus says in His high priestly prayer to His disciples. He literally says His prayer to these disciples and those who believe in Me through their word. That's us. So this is what Jesus says in John 17. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. The love of God, the heights of God's love is that he wants to draw us in so that we experience the glory that he experiences every day. We just can't even imagine the heights of God's love. What he experiences, he wants us to glory Him with Him. He wants us to take us where He is, to be with Jesus, to see His glory, and to be given the same glory that the Father gave the Son. And the love of God keeps going on. It goes deeper. Paul says how deep the love of God is. Let's contemplate that. How deep does God's love go? Well, if you look at Philippians 2, very familiar verse explains just how deep the love of God went through Jesus. Saying of Jesus, who by being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the depth of God's love. That's how deep God's love goes. To the depth of his own son on a cross. Jonathan Edwards writes, The sorrow and distress which is in his soul in the Garden of Gethsemane suffered from a view that the Father gave him of the wrath he was about to drink. He, Jesus, had a near view of the furnace of God's wrath into which he was about to be cast. He was able to look into its mouth and see its raging flames the glowing of its heat, that he might know where it was that he was going and what he was about to suffer. And it filled his soul with sorrow and darkness. Not one of God's children had ever had such a view, or will ever have such a view, because of what Jesus did. Jesus looked into the wrath of God. He went into that for us. So that we don't have to. That's the depths of God's love. That he would sacrifice his own son for our sin. And this is the love of God. And we think we can measure it. We think we can measure the love of God with the little tape measures of our minds. Or we 
think we can even measure the love of God by the tape measure of our life? That somehow our life is going to surpass, and the things we experience in our life is somehow going to surpass the measurement of God's love? It cannot. Our life cannot outmeasure God's love. We can't get outside it. We can't see the end of it. He goes on to say, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I think that's when he finally just gives in to the fact that it's a mystery. He understands that what he's praying for requires a miracle. He's saying, I want you to know love that surpasses knowledge. Paul's a smart guy. I think he knows he's being contradictory there. Right? He knows how language works. But he just gives in. Paul finally just gives in to the mystery of it. And explains the reason why it takes the Holy Spirit's power for us to, to make it functional. Because you need to know a love that's beyond knowledge. That can't be measured. And so I say all of this, not just because it's poetic, not just because it's amazing, but because it's practical. This is... So practical to the Christian life. I, I can't think of anything much more practical than this. You're in a relationship and you're trying hard to love someone. Or there's a trial that you are suffering. and you, Or you've lost someone or you've lost something. Or maybe it's sin in your life that you've been battling and temptation and you just keep failing. Whatever it is that you are facing in your life, you need God to show up. That's how you're feeling right now today. You're just thinking, I need God to show up in this. And no matter who you are or what your issue is, this is your solution. Not for God to change your circumstances or to change what is happening outside of you. It's, it's not that God fixes that person in your life or that God fixes that situation. That is not where the inner strength comes from. You need to know more. You need to see more. You need to feel more of the love of God. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to deepen your understanding. You need to grasp the size of Christ's love for you. Because when you're rooted in that love of Christ, when you know the unknowable love, and you are rooted and established in that love, then it doesn't matter what's happening outside of you. The illness doesn't matter. The relationships don't matter. And I don't mean they don't matter. Of course they matter. But they don't affect you. They don't concern you. They don't break into that inner peace that you have when you grasp the size of God's love for you. When you're rooted in that love, it doesn't matter the circumstances that you're in. It doesn't matter what you lose. It doesn't matter if you lose your job. It doesn't matter if you lose your family or your health. It doesn't matter if you lose the whole world because you know the love of Christ and that's sufficient. That God is sufficient for you. And that it can all go away and Christ will still be enough. Even this life can go away. And you'll be welcomed into the presence of God. And it will be more than enough. Because jobs fail us. And politics fail us. And society fail us. And people fail us. And our bodies fail us. Even churches fail us. But the love of Jesus never fails us. And so this love has to become functional. Jesus lives and He will save us. And because He loves us and has been proven on the cross of Christ. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to deepen our understanding of the love of God, that the, the love that God has for us through Christ. Until we fully grasp that, we'll always be vulnerable to discontent, and we'll be vulnerable to fear, and we will be vulnerable to despair, and we will be vulnerable to hopelessness. 
But when the love of God, when we know how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is, then those vulnerabilities disappear. And we have the secret of that contentment, of that inner strength that Paul talked about. It is knowing and grasping just how much God loves us. So that when the storm comes, the roots go down deep. So that when the trials face us, we're established in that love, and we know what God wants for us. And then he finishes up. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. When you're rooted in the love of Christ, and that's not just for yourself. When you get rooted in this love of Christ, you begin to live a life that puts on display the glory of God for all generations, and it transforms everything about the way we live. That is the secret to inner strength, is grasping and making functional in your life just how much God loves you through His Son. Let's pray. Father God, this is a secret. This is a mystery. And Lord, we need Your Holy Spirit to do this. We need Your Holy Spirit to wake up in us an awareness, a comprehension, and grasping of how much You love us. And Lord, that's nowhere, nowhere more clearly demonstrated than on our cross. When Jesus looked into the furnace of your wrath, and he knew where he was going, and he said, not my will, but yours. And he went to the cross, and he went into the furnace of our sin, and he bore it for us. Father God, thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice. This is what we remember today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, make his love for us real in our hearts. So that all the things of this world just fade away. And we're rooted and established in a love we can't comprehend. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're taking communion at this time. And it's going to be a come forward communion. And uh, so... Uh,